Well, it's good this morning as I look out over the church. I see a lot of family units together. I see that every week from up here. You're, it's amazing what I can see from up here. I love it. It's a great view. But as I look out and I see family units, that, that's a wonderful blessing. That's a great thing. We have some family that are back with us today, Larry and Janet Christ are back from Fort Worth. I think they're here to celebrate with their daughter, Emily. There's going to be a wedding shower today at 1.30. And so, uh, ladies, and I guess, men, if you want to come too, you can. Uh, but ladies, you're encouraged to come today. Uh, you know, it's always people leave this place, but they always find their way back. And um, so, Larry and Janet, we're glad you all are back. Let's give them a warm welcome this morning. As you search through the New Testament and as you read the stories in the Gospels, the story of Jesus, I want you to think about this morning some of the themes that run through the pages of Scripture. You see the theme of love. You see the great theme of mercy and grace and light. You see the theme of hope, of serving, the great theme of the resurrection power of Jesus. That once things may be dead, things can be fresh and things can come alive again because of the story of Jesus. Next Sunday, there will be more people throughout the world that will go to church. If they don't ever go to church in a given year, they will go next Sunday. And so I'm encouraging you this week to not only pray, but to invite somebody to be with you next week. Seven out of ten people in a recent survey have said, if I would just be asked to go to church, I would go. That's a pretty good indicator that we need to ask. Don't take for granted that somebody that you work with or your neighbor has a place to go worship. Invite them. And if they tell you, I have a church family, okay, go invite somebody else. But my point is, next Sunday, good news will be spoken throughout the world. We live in a world of bad news every day. We need to be engraved in more good news. Amen? And so I'm encouraging you this week to pray and invite somebody to be with you next Sunday morning. There's another theme that runs throughout Scripture, not just in the New Testament, but in the Old as well. There's that theme that says, as we talked, as we read earlier this morning from Isaiah 43, there's that phrase, there are those words that you see some 366 times in Scripture. That little phrase says, do not fear. Now you think about it. God knew that his people were going to be afraid at different times in their life. 
Can you think of those moments when you were fearful? Can you think of those moments when you were afraid? This morning, I invite you to turn to Matthew. Matthew chapter 14. And as you turn there, I want you to think about a mountaintop experience that you have had. Maybe not recently, but at some point in your life, where was that mountaintop experience? Maybe it was a camp. Maybe it was a retreat setting. Maybe it was a family vacation where you were just all together as family. Maybe it was a time where you were just alone by yourself at wherever. I don't know. But I want you to think about that mountaintop experience and what that means to you. The disciples in Matthew chapter 14, prior to this story that we're going to read this morning, they had just had one of those mountaintop experiences. You know, sometimes the disciples would follow Jesus around, and they would ask a lot of questions, and you could tell they don't get it. They don't understand it, right? There were other times when the disciples left Jesus, and they had what we've called the wow factor. They were just amazed at what this man Jesus could actually do. In Matthew 14, prior to this story that we're going to read about Jesus walking on the water, they had just experienced one of those wow moments, okay? Jesus is looking out over the crowd of some 5,000 plus people. They're hungry. And so Jesus performs one of his great miracles. He takes five loaves and two fish. He gives it to the disciples and he says, now I want you to, to distribute this to the people. Now, if you're a disciple, you're probably looking at five loaves and two fish in your hand and you're looking out over the mass of people and you're probably thinking to yourself, how in the world can this small amount feed this many people? Only with God can that happen. And you may be somewhere in your life this morning, you, you may be experiencing a storm, you may be experiencing a difficult time in your own walk with God, and you may be wondering, where is God in all of this? You may be asking all of these questions, and this morning as we go through Matthew chapter 14, I want you to notice that sometimes storms come to us after those mountaintop experiences, after everything just looks wonderful and we think, how in the world can it get any worse? Sometimes a storm will come. And I want to remind us of this important spiritual truth. When you are living in the will of God, storms will come. Just because you're living in the will of God doesn't mean that everything is going to be perfect. But here's the truth of the matter. When you're living in the will of God, no matter what comes our way, we trust that God is in control. And we trust that even though we can't see very far, we feel the hand of God at work. And in this story, I want you to put yourself there 
And I want you to think about what themes that you see that come from this amazing story. So let's look in Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 22. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. And during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. That's another one of those moments with Peter that you've just got to love, right? And Peter got down out of the boat. He walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And when they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country, and people brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. You know, when those storms of life come, and they will come, there's some things about storms that really, not only do they test our faith, but I think also storms reveal to us how strong we are. And so storms of life reveal to us how strong is my faith, how strong is the strength of my devotion and commitment. It really will test us, am I devoted to things or am I really devoted to the will of God? Am I devoted to Jesus and his way? Or am I devoted to the things that I can see? There were a lot of things in this story that the disciples saw and heard. But the most important thing they saw was when they realized it's not a ghost, it's Jesus. And there's so many times in our own walk with God that we don't recognize it. We don't recognize his voice. We don't recognize his touch because we're tuned in to everything else but Jesus. Storms reveal to us the depth of our spiritual maturity. Will I be able to handle this? Will I be able to pass through this? We don't stay there. 
we pass through. And as we saw in Isaiah, as we pass through to the other side, who has led us the entire way? God has. This is a scary moment for the disciples. They're in scary waters, and they don't know what to do. But in those moments, I wonder this. How open will I be as my maturity is tested? How open will I be to have my life and my faith shaped and molded back into the image of God? Sometimes we get out of that, don't we? Sometimes we walk away from it. But do you realize the moment we walk away, where is God? He's right there. He never leaves us or forsakes us. Again, do not fear. 366 times we see that. How many days are in a year? 365. There's one every day and one left over of all those times where we're afraid. And in every instance, when you see that phrase, do not fear, what comes after that is the hand of God leading you through it. And so let me give you a couple of things this morning from this passage that really stands out to me. When you're in that storm, Jesus does some significant things for us. One of the things he does is this. He prays for us. And when he prays, he prays with longevity. And he prays the fourth watch was between 3 and 6 in the morning, and the disciples had probably gone out onto the lake. Jesus is up in the mountainside trying to pray, and he had been praying for them. Listen, how intensely, what's the intense level of your faith this morning? Have you ever really spent a long time praying for somebody? If you haven't, I challenge you to do that. Jesus did it for his disciples. He does it for us. Maybe that's a test of our faith. Maybe that's a scary water that we need to go through in our own walk to pray longer and to pray deeper for the will of God to come clear. He comes to us. Look at verse 25. Verse 25 and verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Would you be afraid? Yes. And you would probably cry out the same thing that they did. It's a ghost. And they had this great fear that comes over their body. But do you see this? In our darkest time, 
in the scariest moment, he comes to us. There in the middle of a lake, this trip should have taken about two or three hours, and they were out there some seven to eight, Storker writers say. But during the darkest hour, he comes to us. And do you notice what he does? He is victorious over whatever we are afraid of. And so, for the disciples, their fear was the water. They're afraid of drowning. But do you see that the very thing that they feared was the very thing that Jesus is walking on? So I wonder today, what's your fear? What is it that you're afraid of? And do you have the faith to believe and to realize that Jesus can walk right over that? And as he walks over it, it's just another gentle reminder that says, I'm here. I'm here for you. And not only am I here, but I'm here to cast away your fear. So what you and I have to do, we have to fill in that blank this morning of what that fear is. Because Jesus is calling every one of us to go somewhere. He's calling every one of us to maybe be somewhere where we are not currently. And I'm not talking about maybe a physical location as much as I am a spiritual place. He wants you to be in deep waters. Not over your head, but he wants you to be in deep waters where your faith can be tested, yes, but where you can experience life and realize, do you see here, the disciples look out, I mean, there's nothing they can do. And so in their mind, all hope is gone. But just about the time that we think that all hope is gone and it's all over, we look up and where is he? He's coming toward us. He's walking our way. Now why does he do that? Because he loves us. And because we're his children. And he always comes to the rescue of his children. Amen? And in those darkest moments, and in those times where we don't know what to do, and all strength is gone, he shows up. And notice what he says. In verse 27, immediately he said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. That phrase, it is I, comes from the Greek, ego ami. It's the same words that God used to declare to Moses, I am. And when he's declaring I am, And when he's saying, it is I, he is saying, I'm the great I am. 
Here I am, God in the flesh. And I'm coming for you. And I'm coming to take care of you. And what I'm wanting you to do in this moment is to trust in me and walk with me. But do you see what happens? Do you see how Satan works? You have the wind, you have the waves, you have the water, you have all these distractions, and it's so easy for our eyes and ears to go to those things. That doesn't save us, does it, church? But when we take our eyes off of that and put our eyes back on the master, the teacher, the great I am, what does he say? Trust in me. And so all over this story, you see lessons of obedience. You see lessons of courage. You see lessons of great faith. You see lessons of being stretched and being taken somewhere where maybe you didn't ever think you could go. But when he asked Peter, hold your hand out. Man, that wasn't just to touch him. That wasn't just to feel him. That's to grab hold of him. When you're afraid and you grab hold of that person that you love, boy, there's comfort in that, isn't there? And all of a sudden, the fears that you may have running through your body are replaced with comfort and that gentle touch. And if you look down at the rest of the story, he calms us. He calms everything. And as a result, all we know to do is worship him. When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. You mean to tell me you can have a worship experience outside of a church auditorium? Oh, yes. And if you haven't experienced that, you haven't lived. If you are sitting here this morning thinking that this is what worship is about, I feel sorry for your limited view of the life of worship. Be stretched. And experience Jesus everywhere you go. And so this morning, I want you to think about this question. What are those scary waters that God is trying to lead me through? What is it for you? Maybe you've put off putting Christ on in baptism. 
do it today. Maybe you're wanting to help a neighbor. Write that person's name down and make it happen. Maybe there's somebody you need to go talk to. Maybe there's somebody this week that you need to go say, I would love for you to go to church with me next Sunday to hear some good news. Write that person's name down, call them, go see them, pray. What are those scary waters? We all have them that God is trying to lead us through, but, I mean, we got the brakes on, and we're not moving. Let off the brakes and let God be in control again. And whatever scary waters that you pass through, it'll bless your life because Jesus is leading you. And on the other side of those scary waters could be the most amazing thing that you've ever experienced. And so when the storm had finally calmed down and all of that had passed and he calmed the storm, all that was left to do was say, truly you are the son of God. And they worshiped. And when we see Jesus like that, we'll walk into this room or anywhere else and we will say, truly you are the Son of God. And we'll worship. And all those other trivial things that we worry about and that we talk about and that we get caught up in will not mean a thing because we're caught up in worshiping God. Truly you are the Son of God of God. May we learn from the disciples and may we learn to echo those same words in the life that we live. So as we stand to sing a song this morning, God's calling you to get out of your comfort zone and to go do something for him. What is that something for you, only you, can answer that. But think about that this morning while we stand and sing this song. And if you need to come, won't you do so right now?